a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. It's Friday. It's four o'clock. It's short fuse. Um, I hope you're well. Uh, been a bit of a breezy and snowy week, hasn't it, for a lot of people? So a shout out to our friends at UK Power Networks and all the guys and girls who are engineers up and down the country who've been doing a great job getting people back connected. And thank God we're in the South, because frankly, we're such wusses that we wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, apologies first, because uh, we've just had a bit of a gas leak in the office, courtesy of Jonathan Bairstow. So we're all suffering a little bit, particularly George. But hey, that's life. Johnny's diet lately has been something that his parents should be very careful of. So anyway, moving on. Enough of the wind. Uh, we've got a lot going on this week and I will take you through some of that later on. Particularly, uh, stay tuned for the end because we've got some big news about Elpa. But our story of the week. And talking about wind and wind products, McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> hey. Now, the world's allegedly favourite burger shop um, is cleaning up its act allegedly again no what they're doing is they're saying that they are going to go absolutely 100% uh, green renewable on their packaging within the next seven years now that is a very big commitment think about it there are 37,000 McDonald's restaurants around the world George has been to most of them not enough exactly and they are committing to recycle all the packaging they produce. They'll be eliminating all foam. They'll be using recycled materials for all the bags. But some of them are there. But, you know, the, the boxes they've used, they've moved away from the polystyrene stuff. So, actually, a lot of stuff going on. McDonald's has been on this pathway to try and sort of clean up what it's been doing for a while. And I think this, for all the things you can criticise big, huge corporate giants for, if they don't do something like this... It that whatever you may think of them, the fact they're doing this is a really big thing in terms of global PR and also public consciousness because people go to McDonald's. Yeah, kids go to McDonald's, adults, everyone goes to McDonald's. And so if you see a brand like that saying that we're now going to go clean and we're going to do all of this, that has a bigger effect, I think, than if you have, I don't know, a Waitrose or a very nice high-end store saying, oh yes, we're going to do a thing recyclable. So you can criticise McDonald's for many things and there are many things that people can criticise them for, but I don't think for this one. I think for this one, uh, they get a uh, Big Mac and cheese. Anyway, moving on. Second story this week, <laughs> keeping the Johnny theme, is about wind. Yes, the UK hit 10 gigawatts of wind power for the first time ever this week. Obviously, we've had a lot of wind, a lot of storms, and that's uh, pushed it up. Let me just give you an idea of what that means. So Hinkley, when it's eventually built, will only be producing about 3.2 gigawatts, okay? So 10 gigawatts is a lot. In fact, that is more than we've ever had, and provided on one day this week, 42% of the whole UK's um, energy demand. So whatever that shows, you may consider that wind is, as you say, unreliable, but it does show you one thing, that when we get it, we can use it, we can utilise it, and the grid can cope. So I think that is also a good story. And finally in this section, uh, maybe all of this is making a difference. Why do I say that? Because a new report from McKinsey has said that we are heading towards a global plateau of emissions. 
They've done a study where they've looked at all the things that are changing, just like I've said, more wind power around the world, not just here in the UK, uh, companies becoming more sustainable, the growth of EVs, and they've worked out that what we will be having is by 2050, the power uh, that's renewable, having a power plant that's renewable, will probably be cheaper than having a conventional gas or coal power plant. That would mean that obviously emissions will start to fall and fall and fall. The one reason that they're not saying that emissions will nosedive is they do think global demand of energy will increase. So what you'll get is a sort of more renewables, but more demand, so you get a plateauing of uh, emissions. So I think this is, again, they're saying this by 2030. So that's not long, exactly, it's not long, that's 13 years, 12 years to go. So in 12 years, if we do get that, I think that will be a very significant thing. Let's uh, wait and see. Uh, more stories coming up with our reporters next. But first, this week's Viewpoint. Right, well, the Viewpoint this week is about one of those big global companies, Shell. Now, Shell have been around for, I think, more than 100 and something years. Obviously, you know them. You go and get your petrol there. You know them as a big oil and petrochemical company. And what happened this week is they made an announcement at the beginning of the week that they were going to go back to an oil field in the North Sea. This is the Penguin Field. Great name for it. And uh, Shell were going to invest in eight new wells to be drilled and a new exploration vehicle, a brand new one. 30 years since they've had a big presence like that. And uh, this field is um, off the coast of Shetland, so they're going to be exploring more oil and gas. Sounds absolutely what you'd expect Shell to do. So that's the first story. What's the surprise there? They're an oil and gas company. They're going to be going for some more oil and gas. People say, hmm, North Sea, we thought it was all gone, but clearly there are more assets down there. But then at the end of the week, they announced two things. One, that they were investing in a big uh, solar firm. They're taking 44% of a solar firm in the US and also doing something in the UK. In total, that's a 200 million pound investment, about 880 megawatts. And what it proves is they've done a bit of building solar farms in places like the Middle East and in Africa, but they're now going big on the solar. So that made me think, so you've had this company announcing at the beginning of the week they're going to do more oil and gas exploration. And then, at the end of the week, <coughs> that they're going into solar. Do you think these things make sense? I was surprised. What does it say that one of the global, you could say, um, allegedly polluting companies, you know, they're, they're in the game of <coughs> Exxon and BP and all of that. What are they doing? I think they're doing what they are all going to be doing, which is being smart. Yes, fossil fuels will continue to be a source. Yes, they will continue to be experts in that and they will continue to exploit those resources. But they're not fools, these companies. They're looking at the whole issue of where renewable energy is going. And solar is one of those areas that I think makes a really good bid fellow for them. So you could actually say, well, loads of companies would be against what Shell stands for. I don't think that's fair. I think that they're actually being realistic. They're doing what they should do as a commercial company, which is to exploit the assets they have in the oil and gas sector. But it's very encouraging, as I see it, that they're also looking to diversify. They're also looking to be in renewable. And I get the feeling that these big, huge multinationals over the next 10, 15 years 
won't be seen as just oil and gas companies or drilling companies or whatever. They'll become much more diversified. They'll become much more energy ag agnostic, you could say. And this is a shift that brings me to think that actually we're on the cusp of a real change globally. Because if Shell will do this, Exxon will probably do this, BP will probably do this, there are more and more who are already doing this anyway. And we may be seeing a cultural shift in the big corridors of power to say that actually maybe the way forward is this mix of energy. What's your view? Let me know. Uh, get in touch. All the email details are there. You can get in touch on Fuse and of course you can tweet the program. Uh, right. Oh my God. It's time for the hat catch. Hello. Hello. This week you're actually matching because uh, you're not yeah. blending into the white background. No, no, I've made sure I pick my Well done, out. well done. Um, how the hell have you been this week? Yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, working hard? Well, as always. Uh, well, I can say Pri's back, she's not been well. We'll see you next week, Pri. Thank God, that's all I can say. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, so what's been catching your eye, young man? Uh, so you were just talking about Shell. Yes. Uh, and so the first story I was going to talk about actually kind of contradicts what you're saying with the direction, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but the city of New York has sued five massive energy multinationals uh, because it's accused them of pollution. Shell is one of those. Uh, and the others are BP, Chevron, ExxonMobil and ConocoPhillips, if I've pronounced that correctly. ConocoPhillips, yeah. ConocoPhillips. Uh, and so, yeah, the city of New York says they've been polluting, uh, you know, for years, apparently. Uh, and it believes they're going to continue doing so. So it kind of wants some uh, money for reparations and also in advance to protect itself against the pollution. Now, let's be honest. In America, you do a court case, it lasts years. Yeah. What's the plan? How are they going to do this and how long will they be expecting this to take? Uh, well, they've, the initial thing they've done is actually divested from those companies. Uh, right. So they have about £5 billion pounds in uh, fossil funds, in their pension funds. Uh, so they've taken that out of those companies now. Um, so yeah, that makes a pretty significant start and then I guess they'll see what's happening from there. Moving on, what's the next one? Uh, the next one actually is about uh, kind of linked to pollution and ruining the environment as well. But there's We're keeping the <laughs> doom and gloom theme, yeah go on. Yeah, but there's a database that's been developed <coughs> and it's quite interesting, they call it urban mining. Right. Uh, so it's kind of mining what's in our landfills uh, at the moment for useful resources like metals from abandoned cars. Uh, pieces of plastic from old computers okay. and this database basically tracks uh, everything that's currently in landfills that we could use and also stuff that we're using at the moment like the car I drive say yeah. uh, and it kind of tracks where the end of life is going to be on that to work out what our resources are that are tied up in waste and what we're using uh, so we don't actually have to dig in the ground. And who's, who's running this database? Who's it been set up by? Uh, the Urban Mine Platform is what it's called um, and yeah it's uh, no big companies, as far as I know of it. That's, it's that's it's, a, it's, re it's re a clever idea. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that basically, I mean, we know the problem with landfill, as sure the audience knows, we put so many stuff into landfill that actually we don't really have recycling properly in landfill. Uh, so they're saying there are useful things that are still being thrown away. And then you what? You go and collect this material and then... Uh, it's just so if companies get involved with the database, they yeah. can kind of, instead of putting in an order, I imagine, they instead of putting in an order for, you know, 100,000 kilograms of lithium or something, yeah. uh, they might realise that they could get 70% of that whatever, yeah. from landfills in the UK. Uh, and actually, this the, the Urban Mine platform, the people that have developed that, uh, they said that in the EU at the moment, 
uh, the amount of valuable materials tied up in landfills uh, is 18 million tonnes, which wow. is around the weight of 3 million elephants, if you wanted to visualise that. So. <laughs> it's not one that David Attenborough would be worrying about. Um, and then uh, finally, um, obviously, we had that terrible tragedy last year with Grenfell. Mm. And it looks like there's a bit more misery for the people that were involved in that situation. Tell me more. Uh, yeah, so that's actually having now a negative backlash on other people that live in similar buildings. Uh, because obviously after the, the cladding was found to be dangerous. Uh, so they've stripped that off all of the high rises or yeah. in, in the immediate area. Uh, and that's, that amounts to dozens of buildings. Uh, but now that's obviously leaves, the cladding had a purpose, even though it was dangerous. Which of course, was to insulation, the yeah. Uh, so now that we're in the middle of winter and it's pretty cold today, uh, all of those people are left without insulation because only one building's had the cladding put back, a safe, safer version of the cladding put so back So what's on. that affected their bills or what, how's this all come about? Uh, well, yeah, I guess it will be affecting their bills because they'll have to be turning up the heating to stay warm. Uh, but I don't think most of those tower blocks are that well equipped. So I think the real effect is that people are getting unwell because they're cold. Okay. Uh, well, that's a cheery story to end with, but hey, these are the news and we have to report it. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to next week? You're going out and about, aren't you? Looking forward to Pre coming home. Yeah, <laughs> we are looking forward to Pre. But you're actually going to be doing a bit of a, a chat with a, a mining person, aren't you? Yeah, I am indeed. On Wednesday, uh, we're going to interview the CEO of Minergy, is how you pronounce that company's name. Uh, You'll get and, it right uh, when we actually do the interview, by the way. Yeah, so that's obviously more, t it's about the resources and the mining industry and how that's going to... Yeah, whatever people say, mining's not going away. Yeah. We'll still be doing it. Great. And of course, if anyone wants to... If you want to get in touch yes. or you have any stories that you think we'd like to cover, uh, you can email me at the moment or me and Pri next week on stories at energylivenews.com. So yeah, please get in touch. Thank you, Jonathan. Goodbye. Thank you. Oh, he didn't do badly this week, did he? Anyway, enough. Right, okay. Well, um, that's it. We're going to have a bit of a shorter show this week, but there's a couple of other things I want to go through. Most importantly, dates for your diary. So if I can just go through them again. Most importantly, coming up very soon, if you're a broker, I know loads of you have already applied, we have the Energy Live Consultancy Conference. That is taking place on the 22nd of March. Places are filling up, so to any brokers and consultants out there, do get in touch and get in touch with Jeff and Freddie. You know the email details. Just drop them a line and we'll make sure you've got your place there. And uh, we're coming up with the agenda very soon for that. We'd love some great stuff uh, lined up, looking at where the markets are in particular and what uh, changes will be affecting uh, people in the broking industry. Then, on the 7th of June, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we are going to be having our second Energy Live Future. And next week... I'm going off to interview our special guest speaker. So we'll give you a, a glimpse of that next week. His name is Baz Lazdrop. He is the uh, CEO of Mars One and he wants to get us to Mars. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then June the 28th, obviously, Telka, our award-winning awards show is back. So get that date in the diary. And then one more thing I want to remind you of is our tickets are going very, very quickly our discount tickets for ELPA, the Energy Live Personality Awards, which are taking place on the 6th of December. If you book your ticket before the 31st of this month, you get it at half price. So loads of you are availing yourselves of that. You know it was a great part if you came along at the James Bond Museum. We had a great time. We'll be doing it on the Silver Sturgeon, which is an incredible boat that goes up and down the Thames. But please, come on, get yourselves those tickets at half price. Uh, apply 
before the end of the month. Okay, well, that's about it. But I have this story I wanted to show you, which is, and finally, cracking this is. So, Cress, an egg and cress sandwich. We keep Johnny away from those because you know what he's producing without them. Well, they've been used. Uh, cress has been used by the University of Hull to simulate flooding. Can you believe this? It sounds bonkers, but it's great. So what they're doing is they're using some sand and using cress as little mini trees, little Freddy type trees. And they're basically pouring water using matched desert logs to see how water would flow in floodplains. So it's a sort of little mini Freddy world. It's great. Lovely. And you can eat it afterwards. So that's a good story. We enjoyed it. It's one to leave you with a light-hearted end to the week. We'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Until then, adios. Thank <laughs> you.